This episode contains mentions of violence, rape and sexual assault and may not be suitable for all listeners. Please exercise caution before proceeding. Thank you. Swinging 60s. They were a decade of revolution, free love, Beatles and of course LSD, but all of that was in the west. India was slightly different. It was a decade when you were always told what you could or could not do, much like what we are seeing today. The government wanted to stick its long and pointy nose into everything and everybody's business. A four-year wait for a car, no kissing on screen, no drinking alcohol without a permit. In the third decade of freedom, India was a land of scarcity, prohibitions and all kinds of controls. Bombay was a world in itself though. There were jazz clubs and speakeasies and Radio Salon was their Spotify. And everyone who was someone knew where to go to get a tipple despite the prohibition. Life was grand. For a while towards the end of the decade though, life was not so grand. People were scared of staying out late. The Bombay police noticed a series of murders that were happening in the northern suburbs of the city. There's definitely a pattern. The victims were always slum dwellers and the poor who lived in makeshift houses, isolated shanties or on the pavements. The MO was also the same and they were all killed by having their skulls smashed with a hard and blunt instrument. Bombay policeman Ramakant Kulkarni had recently taken over as the head of the crime branch. He was determined to get to the bottom of this. He wanted to understand the psychological profile of this mysterious killer. In time, he would. His department would end up catching one of India's most enigmatic serial killers. The man who had an unshaken belief that he was a power or Shakti. Namaste, Namaskaram, welcome to today's episode of Khuni, the Crimes of India. I'm Sneha and I'm in Hyderabad and I have with me Aditi who's in Lucknow. Hi, hi. Hi, we have weekend lockdowns in Lucknow now. All the other shops are supposed to be closed but guess which ones are supposed to be open. Guess the exception. See, the thing is I can be all naive and shit because of the podcast but I know which one so alcohol yeah so beef is banned but drinking is a okay in yogi land anyway how excited are you for today's episode oh my god i'm so excited okay like i learned so much about the insanity plea as a defense in india okay i think i can totally go defend someone and listeners no that is not an invitation for any of y'all to go commit a crime and then ping us on our DMs and say, Hey Sneha, um, I did a thing. No, no, not going to happen. Maybe as a precaution, we'll just shut our DMs just for a while. I think we can shut our DMs in advance. No? I know we can in Twitter. I'm not so sure on Instagram, <laughs> but yeah, we'll check it out. So guys, 
Today, we are going to tell you the story of India's own Jack the Ripper, Raman Raghav. See, I don't personally agree with this comparison because to me, he's India's son of Sam or Sam Berkowitz. Yeah, that dude whose neighbor's dog told him to kill someone. If you don't know, you don't know. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is also another very highly requested episode. And we had a great time researching it. Great time. Amazing, guys. Amazing time. Wow. So, so great. Yeah, you guys should really see Sneha's face right now. You know that saying, curiosity killed the cat. Sneha's face right now looks like that very, very dead cat. Only in its next life, maybe. So, was it very traumatic? So, like, it's not trauma as much as it is this weird disbelief about the things the human brain is capable of. And, like, very, I'm very fascinated at the fact that, you know, we only use 10% of our total brain and all. Which, by the way, it's not true. No, no. There is scientific evidence to this. Yeah, exactly. And no, we are not giving you the details on this, guys. Google Karlo. <laughs> You're all sitting at home doing nothing anyway. <laughs> Again, we are podcasters and not science teachers. And both of us don't know science very well. Yeah. Oh, speak for yourself. I know science. And don't be rude. You know science? Yeah. Oh my God. Are you like <laughs> science in the 12th or something? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> bio and math okay bio and math wow oh my god i seriously didn't didn't know this till today (laughs) i'm so i'm like legit impressed with aditi right now (laughs) okay moving on yeah anyway please i'm not being rude i'm just being me yeah so i want to say this one quote before we start this episode it's by Kushwan Singh, okay? And qu- very interestingly, Kushwan Singh attended most of this guy's trial and he wrote an essay about it. So the quote goes like this. When one man kills another, we look for motive. When one man kills many, we look into his mind. Anyway, so for this episode, we read a lot of articles online and Kushwan Singh's article titled Uncollected Kushwant portrait of a serial killer so he covered as i already told you he covered raghav's trial and he apparently attended almost all of the hearings and spoke to the doctors who evaluated raman raghav and everything and there is another book called the footprints on the sands of crime by the police officer who led the hunt for raman raghav mr ramakant kulkarni and we couldn't find it anywhere it's either out of print and we couldn't find it on amazon and obviously due to covid we can't go around looking in shops. So yeah, I've only managed to read excerpts from it here and there in articles and stuff. I would have loved to read it. And of course, we looked into Twisted, a profile of Indian serial killers by Sirish Thorat and Sampada Karandikar. This book has a small chapter on Raman Raghav. Yeah, and I read the judgments in this case. So, Raman Raghav was born... Sindhi Dalwai in the Tirunelveli district of Tamil Nadu. And for anyone who does not know like the geography of India very well, Tamil Nadu is in the south of India. So Raman Raghav had four siblings, three sisters and one brother. He apparently loved and admired his brother and he didn't like his mother very much. He respected and loved his father. And the reason he says he loved his father is like super weird, okay? (laughs) So, according to Raman, his father taught him to steal and commit murder. He was doing these things himself, apparently. So, his father had gone to jail for theft. And 
see the thing is nobody verified this information and these are all accounts that we found on the net anyway according to raman this is what he told the doctors that he who evaluated him theft is a good profession well he should know <laughs> because he says i have been doing it since childhood amazing and kids we do not condone shoplifting or stealing in general please don't take your life lessons from a serial killer aditi stop terrifying <laughs> the kids okay but anyway it'll be a long time before they can actually hang out in malls or shoplift right now the only shoplifting they can do is probably from the local sabji mandi <laughs> yeah but don't steal seriously so raman clearly looked up to his father i mean the paternal influence seems to be like 100% otherwise dude who will talk like this and raman also said he didn't study much apparently only three books in two years whatever that means yeah that's much more than what people are doing these days i think <laughs> yeah people these days are just listening to asmr sex podcasts <laughs> seriously yeah, we're not even joking all... look up top 50 podcasts in uh, spotify and you will find at least a couple of podcasts like that for sure yeah <laughs> anyway so this is literally all that we know about raman's childhood and then his parents died when he was still a child so that there's another thing about raman though and this was uh, affirmed by the doctors and everybody else who knew him so raman hated women we don't exactly know how but he just despised women but also weirdly craved their company ah so he was an incel got it <laughs> he sounds like every single high angle fellow who pings us in our dms yeah <laughs> do you know there's this guy like i'm telling you legit stuff okay there's this guy who's been constantly pinging me on my fb messenger okay fb messenger i don't even use that shit anymore every single day since the time i moved back home after college okay initially it used to be hi 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 like every day in the morning okay hi 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 and then he started sending random facts like random informative facts <laughs> and then he graduated to full blown <laughs> badass shubham shubham type behavior Ugh. and then i was like fuck it and i finally replied and i told him i'll call the police <laughs> then he says sorry sister oh, of course and then he stopped all of that <laughs> yeah he still continues sending me good morning every morning do you have any fans like that I think this reminds me of my first encounter with online harassment and this was a long time ago I think I was still a naive little baby this was the time when people still had orkut remember that orkut <laughs> of course yeah. we used to scrap each other yeah uh, okay so some classmate hacked my orkut account okay and posted all kinds of abusive stuff on it so i had to delete my account altogether and then once that happened he pinged me on google talk Remember Google Talk? Dude, I was the queen of Google Talk. <laughs> yeah, you were. I know that. So he sent this long rant on Gtalk, okay? He called me a bitch and what not. So I had to block him there also. So Shikhar, yeah, I'm taking his name. If you are listening, I did not say a word back then because I was legitimately terrified of you. But after all these years, here's your much delayed fuck you. You guys can let us know all the girls and even guys. Let us know if anyone's harassed you like this. We just want to like know. 
and we know we are not the only ones that it happened to yeah and aditi that's quite the tale bro i know so there are three incidents in raman's life that may have caused him to hate women yeah because you don't generally hate women okay women are amazing it has to be something that happened to him yeah so the thing is in tamil nadu uh, among certain castes men marry their sister's daughter yeah it's kind of gross and it happens even in parts of andhra pradesh and telangana yeah and okay does this happen in the north uh not that i know of but i'm not commenting on it it's a cultural thing and i'm staying far far away from it as a north indian of course <laughs> so remember raman had sisters yeah so his marriage was arranged with his sister's daughter and her name basically his fiance's name is guru amma so before he could consummate the marriage this guy was arrested for theft and was sent to prison and meanwhile guru amma became pregnant by another man and died giving birth to a stillborn baby oh my god that's horrible yeah yeah and that's not all something else also happened so the elders in the village because you know how elders are they're all nosy like seema auntie from matchmaker yeah. so they found him another woman but then raman discovered that this girl this lady was already married once and her husband left her and that she had children from her earlier marriage of course such an insult no god forbid a woman yeah. with sorry god forbid a divorce or a widow with a with a child wants to start her life again i'm sure if this happened to him his family would have quietly arranged a marriage and he would have gladly accepted the match also had he been in this woman's position but no yeah 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 it's very common in india So basically after this he realized something okay he realized he doesn't have to be married to get sex and this is around the same time he started going to sex workers so meanwhile we don't know what he got up to in his life okay maybe he's reading books and visiting prostitutes i don't know so like what he did and all probably worked in a farm or something in his village because there's not not much there wasn't much else to do in rural tamil nadu back then so you either had a farm or you worked for someone who had a farm So in around 1950 a childhood friend of his was moving to Bombay to go find work and this guy persuaded him to join him in Bombay and for a while it was good like these two friends were employed in the textile mill and Raman worked during the day and his friend had the night shift so this friend was married and he lived with his wife so one night how filmy is this anyway so one rainy night his friend's wife invited him to you know share her bed what he refused yeah yeah what is this, this guy's happened. life hena that's exactly what i was thinking it it's it's you you feel bad okay to a certain level you're like dude he's he's been dealt all the wrong cards okay so where is this account coming from did he say this or did somebody verify yeah yeah this is all so that's the thing na mm-hmm. this is all most of the information that people have gotten is from uh, when he spoke to the doctors who were evaluating him okay which is why what i'm going to say this is going to sound like very fishy right so the next morning he says the wife complained to her husband that raman had tried to seduce her and then raman was thrown out of the chawl 
I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that if this wasn't coming from Raman, I'm wondering whether he tried to molest this woman and so he was thrown out. And so in order to justify what he did, at least to the people interviewing him, his doctors, he pretended that it was the wife who invited him in. Yeah, because see, the thing is, what you're saying seems to be in line with, you know, what I've read about him, what we heard about him till now. Yeah. Because remember, the whole thing is based on Raman's confessions to the police and Raman's uh, psych evaluation. So this is all his perspective. Yeah. Anyway, let's just take it with a pinch of salt, I guess. Take it with a dabba of salt. Big dabba of Tata iodized salt. No, we're not sponsored by Tata. We don't have sponsors. <laughs> so let's continue with the story. Raman continued working in the mill for a bit longer. And I can't quantify the whole bit longer term here in a metric sense. Please bear my American units here. Just We'll just stick to a bit longer. Anyway, soon he left his job at the mill and started doing odd jobs here and there, like, you know, to basically get by. And soon this also he could not manage to do because apparently he was always angry and got very upset at all small, small things. And then he resorted to petty theft. And he used to be put uh, in the Baikula jail quite regularly. So actually, there is this one very weird and interesting story about him around this time. This fellow used to go to one Tapri. And for those who don't know what Tapri is, this is a small tea shop on the roadside. And one day, he ordered a strong cutting chai. And then he saw the tea person diluting the milk by adding water. And Raman lost his shit. He decided to kill the tea seller. What? That escalated quickly. I have whiplash now. Honey, this is nothing. You wait. There is more. So, like, normally we all decide to kill people almost every other day, okay? Like a bitchy boss, annoying neighbor, stupid bimbo in your apartment complex. You know, things like that. Uh, I don't. Are you okay? Listeners, please don't listen to her. If you hate them, don't decide to kill them. Just plan out their murder elaborately in your head and leave it at that, okay? There is a huge difference between deciding and imagining from a legal point of view. Imagining is good, deciding, very, very bad. Don't do it. So this guy, he tracked down the tea seller to the tea seller's house. Like he made a plan and everything. He was about to attack and then he was caught. Charges of theft were slapped on him and he was sent off to jail for 18 months. And the jail basically did nothing to deter him from further crimes. Like any other person would have probably stopped and introspected and maybe, you know, tried to clean up his act and shit. But this guy, he didn't really give a fuck. Anyway, in the year 1966, Bombay police were perplexed. A number of corpses started emerging in the eastern suburbs of Bombay. Sometimes corpses were found every single day. Bombay police did not understand what was happening. The heads of these corpses were almost always smashed with a hard and blunt object. It seemed like they were attacked whilst they were asleep. In all, about 19 people were attacked. Nine succumbed to their injuries and died, while the remaining 10 had absolutely no idea who or what had hit them. They had no memory. Now, most of these victims were squatters and they lived in makeshift houses in slums along the municipality water pipeline. The police identified these spots and patrolled them 24-7. During one of those humid days in Bombay, the police noted a suspicious-looking man. They picked him up for questioning. 
डिटेक्टिव इंस्पेक्टर विनायक राव वाकटकर हेड ऑफ द होमोसाइड स्क्वाड एट क्राइम ब्रांच क्वेश्चन द मैन ही सेड वॉट्स योर नेम रमन राघव सेड द मैन कामली योर फिंगर प्रिंट्स आर ऑन रिकॉर्ड विदर्स एंड योर रियल नेम इज सिंधु दलवाई वाकटकर वॉज एट द टॉप ऑफ हिज गेम यू सीम टू बी क्वाइट द वेटरिन एवरी टाइम यू बीन अरेस्टेड यू गिवन अ न्यू नेम टू द कॉप्स नो आंसर The man just kept looking at Vakatkar. Sindhi Dalvai, Tambi, Velu Swami, Anna Dalvai—are all these names yours? Raman looked at the inspector, dead in his eyes, and said, "Yes, these are my names." You see, we already told you Raman was not new to this game. When the police got him into questioning, the cops were stunned to find his prints in the police record not once. but nine times the man was convicted nine times for petty thefts and had already spent time in prison while searching through raman's belongings the police found some very curious things one of which was a pocket diary the police opened it and on one page was written quote khatam and khalas both of these words mean finished and or dead The diary was also full of doodles in a very weird script a script that no one in the police station could really understand Vakatkar demanded to know what the script means he had a feeling that this man could be the killer of those nine people the man who had attacked those 19 people he needed more proof to get this man imagine if the diary had just like some weird writings in some random language that he made up in his head okay like but only once translated like we would know what it was like for example it could totally be dear diary today i woke up and killed this person and today i was walking i saw a nice looking umbrella i felt like it was calling me so i wanted to steal it if i steal it and sell it i will get to go to this nice looking girl in this brothel <laughs> then i went to the girl in the brothel and then later had my full of chicken curry and rice and then i followed up with a nice big jug of lassi i even took the most satisfying dump that <laughs> night like i felt so light after that it was a nice day good night dear diary bye congratulations listeners of khuni that was a very first poop joke on this podcast courtesy of sneha okay so during all this questioning raghav kept mum The police formally processed his arrest and charged him with multiple murders. However, as we've already said, there is no substantial proof to charge him and so the court dismissed the charges. Raman walked away scot-free. However, the police ensured that he was externed from Bombay for a period of at least 3 years. And then the killing stopped. Then Almost two years later, to the date, the killing started again. Slum dwellers spent sleepless nights. They were fearing the worst. The streets in now the western suburbs wore a deserted look by sundown. This was a super sorry. This was super strange in those days. No one showed up to any pubs or jazz clubs. Even the local trains were practically empty beyond Andheri till the end of the western line. Damn, I can't imagine non-crowded local trains. Nope, just can't. This was in direct contrast to the killings that took place a couple of years prior. Emmanuel Sumitra Modak, Mumbai's police commissioner at that time, was a soft-spoken Jewish gentleman. 
The man was the one to bear the brunt for all these heinous crimes as he was regularly questioned by politicians and the press on his strategy to deal with this monster. Apparently, he would settle down for breakfast each morning in his chamber and he would receive a call from some police station or the other. The call always brought with it the same message. Sir, murder. Then things started taking a ridiculous turn. An eyewitness said that the suspected murderer was committing brutal assaults, wearing the clothes of a sadhu, complete with a beard. People started looking at every sadhu with suspicion. Apparently, there was a mass exodus of sadhus from Bombay. People were so terrified that they even started attacking sadhus. This one time, apparently, this mob attacked and killed a bunch of sadhus. Mumbai was gripped with panic. A few days later, another eyewitness said that they saw a dog coming out of a house where later bodies were found. Again, rumours flew. This time though, citizens of Mumbai were convinced that the murderer was a supernatural entity. And there was a really weird tale going around. This is just getting more and more and more ridiculous now. Yeah. So the people were convinced that the man committing the murders was a shapeshifter or a magic man or a witch. Animagus? Yeah, like a super duper powerful animagus. The person used to commit murders. Then he used to turn into a dog and run away. And then after running for a few meters, used to turn into a bird, usually an owl, and then fly away. <laughs> are we in Harry Potter or are we doing true crime? I'm so fucking confused right now. Yeah, the policemen were instructed to not smoke while on duty because they might alert the murderer and he would flee. They were allowed to drink though. So the constables got orders that they had to get as many informants as they could. But as we all know, this costs money. And apparently the constables were not getting any money and they often had to shell out money from their own pockets. Okay, so we get a lot of crap for criticizing policemen. So to all those people, this is your moment of vindication. Enjoy. Revel. This is when we say kudos to the police. For real. This was extremely selfless. I mean, constables are woefully underpaid even today. So I can't even imagine how little they were being paid at that time. And to use their own money to give to informants so that the people of Mumbai could be safe is going above and beyond the call of duty. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Like this time, we'll give it to Bombay police. Then a few days later, a young and brilliant cop, Ramakant Kulkarni, took over as the head of the crime branch. And he decided to have a closer look at Raghav's old files and then think like the criminal. Because by this point, most of the policemen in Bombay were kind of convinced that the criminal was Raman Raghav. So there is a field of criminology called environment criminology. Now, under this, there is a theory called geometry of crime. Basically, it means that the crime occurs always at a safe distance from the perpetrator's dwelling. And at the same time, not too far away from a familiar area. A 2,000-strong police manhunt was launched across Bombay with special focus around the Malad, Goregaon and Jogeshwari area. So, Raman's fingerprints were matched to those found near recent crime scenes and a distant acquaintance confirmed that Raman had indeed returned. So, also at that same time, he was considered by all his acquaintances and people who knew him to be quite mad. 
Now, combing through a city like Bombay for a homeless man who looks like any other homeless man was a daunting task. But the hysteria that had gripped Bombay residents was just too urgent. Public imagination ran wild. At some places, people said that they spotted him rushing into a bush with a bird flying off from the swamp. As the time passed, the rumours only got more and more weird. So there is a proper explanation for why this panic became worse. Basically, there was a week-long strike of English newspapers in Mumbai. In the absence of factual news, rumours spread faster. Kulkarni was livid. He was at his wit's end. How the hell do you catch a serial killer who operates in large crowded areas? Even with environmental criminology, the area was much too large. So where to even begin? In the meantime, Raghav continued to kill. The police searches were limited to slums and huts. And Raghav knew this. So he hid in the jungles near Jogeshwari and Are colony. He lived in the thickets, cooked his own food on a stove, and hid the loot from his murderous expeditions in the bushes. This was probably the first time the crime branch used a full-sized map of the city to pinpoint murder sites. The red dots that denoted the murder sites grew in number every passing day. They spread across Oshivara, Goregaon, Malard, Kandivali, Borivali and Dahisar. There were a thousand policemen on patrolling duty at night looking for suspicious people and those who matched Raman's description. Then one rainy day, the police had some luck. A woman named Manjula Bai Dalvi, who lived in Poisar village, was shown Raman's photo. She told the police that they called him Anna. She was caught by surprise to find out that the two men who stopped and showed her Anna's photo were Mufti policemen. Mufti means policemen in plains clothes. She told the policeman that Raghav used to stay alone in the locality and nobody knew what he did for a living. The policeman let her go home. A few minutes later, Manjula Bai walked back to the policeman and told them that she had seen Raman that day in the morning. So then they asked her for details. She told him that she was on her way to fetch water from a well and she bumped into Raman Raghav. When she asked him what he was doing there, he told her that he had uh, some work to complete and headed towards a place called Mochi Chol. The excited policeman then asked her what he had been wearing. So she said, khaki shorts, blue shirt, brown canvas shoes and that he was carrying an umbrella. A wireless message from the crime branch was immediately radioed out. The news was tightening. The forensics team also had a breakthrough. They matched Raman's prints from the dossier with the ones found at two of the murder sites and they were a perfect fit. Now the police only needed to formally arrest Raman. The story of his arrest is also quite the tale. For Sub-Inspector Alex Fialho, the day in September 1968 started out like any other. He lived in Bhendi Bazaar and was posted at Dongri police station at the time and he was waiting at the bus stop for the bus to Dongri and was due to arrive at the bus stop at any moment. He then saw a well-built man in khaki shorts and long blue shirt walking in his direction. And he matched Raman's description. Over the last few years, Fialo had done a detailed study on this man. Hell, he, he even had a photo of his ugly mugshot in his pocket. He had carried this passport-sized photograph on him for years. And Fialho knew that he had his man. 
he could not be more certain but fialo did not dare to in- intercept him straight away he did not want the man to panic his mentor mr sami ayer who by the way is famous singer usha utup's father had drilled into him the importance of catching this man as early as possible so alex waited to see if raman would react to alex's being in uniform raman crossed alex gave him a very sarcastic look and simply walked past him for a second alex thought that maybe he was mistaken so he took out the photograph in his pocket to double check but yeah he was sure this was the man he had the same cold eyes and now the anxious si quickly turned around and followed his suspect hoping to nab him before he could cross the bhindi bazar junction into the sardar vallabhbhai patel road he could not afford to let this happen raman would simply blend into the crowd there and disappear so he quickly caught up to the man alex went up to him and tapped him on his back and said please come with me i have some work for you strangely raman did not hesitate he said okay and started following alex then alex noticed something else out of place raman was carrying an umbrella so that was normal because it was september in mumbai and it rains like hell all the time only now it wasn't raining where there were and his umbrella was still wet alex asked him why was his umbrella wet raman told him that he was coming from chincholi malad where it was raining it was then alex knew that he had his man there was a body found in chincholi the previous night alex took his detainee to the police quarters at dongri for interrogation on being asked to identify himself raman said he was sindhi dalwai a beggar from malad he said he committed a few petty thefts in the neighborhood alex knew that this was one of the many aliases raman had used in the past then alex gave him one tight slap <laughs> stop lying we know you as raman raghav then alex gave him the file photograph and asked him if he could identify the person then calmly raman took out a pair of spectacles from his pocket slipped them on and carefully scanned the photo with his eyes and said saab this man looks like me but he's not me oh my god dude <laughs> like whatever it is this guy has swag like we will also tell you in the next episode <laughs> this guy has swag so now at this point alex did not want to take any more of this man's bullshit he was amazed that this guy didn't have an iota of fear on his face but alex being alex he wanted to double check So he sent for the fingerprint experts from the police head office at Crawford Market for confirmation. As Raman was previously arrested and convicted for petty crimes, his prints and other details were on record with the Modus Operandi Bureau of the Crime Branch. What a cool name, Modus Operandi Bureau. Yeah man, like I actually double checked what they do and it's kind of cool you guys can look it up. Yeah. Anyway, the prints turned out to be a clear and perfect match so later the police found out and this is super weird that the spectacles raman had slipped on belonged to a school principal that he had murdered a week ago the police searched for a weapon on raman and nothing was recovered so once raman's identity was confirmed a daunting task lay ahead of alex pialo He had to hand over Raman to the crime branch without the news of his capture going public. If people knew that Raman Raghav had been caught, 
they would lynch and murder him right there mob justice would prevail so alex discreetly called for his jeep he did not even tell his driver about the convict that they were going to transport and he took raman to the dongri police station once at the station alex asked his team to lock up the station to avoid intruders called his night duty cops as reinforcements and then waited for the commissioner and his team to arrive but in india everything gets out sooner or later and before the commissioner could arrive a crowd had gathered outside as somehow word got out that they nabbed raman raghav people were screaming for his blood the press were trying to catch a glimpse of the man who committed close to 40 murders and for his brave act alex fialo was rewarded with 1000 rupees it was a lot right aditi at like back then yeah definitely this was the 60s or 70s yeah yeah uh, late 60s 68 ha huh. so 1000 rupees was a lot yeah and within minutes commissioner modak pi vinayak rao vakatkar arrived and alex completed his handover they took raman to the crime branch at the crime branch things were not so good for two days the police tried their level best to make raman talk and no amount of quote unquote fireworks worked so basically fireworks is like beating this guy up they got in veteran interrogators but he simply refused to speak raman continued to maintain a studied silence the initial enthusiasm of seasoned officers who were there slowly slowly started turning into frustration then simply because they were all at their wits end one of the officers asked raman what do you want is there anything you want raman looked at him smiled again and said murgi <laughs> what a cliffhanger <laughs> murgi for those who don't know is chicken raman wanted chicken <laughs> yeah so that's all we have for you today folks next week we'll continue telling about raman raghav and his confessions his crimes and his trial curses all you like okay if you are interested you can go check out what happened but we would rather that you listen to us yeah and in the meantime watch out for our shorty this week and do not forget to follow and subscribe to khuni wherever you get your podcasts and you can even write us a review on apple podcasts because it helps new people discover us Thank you so much. See you next week. Bye.